House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Okay, welcome back into the House of Mystery. And we are broadcasting from the stormy floods of the west coast of Canada right now. Well, I am. You got Mr. Mr. Martino sitting up in the uh, sunny Palm Springs. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I wish they never let you out of there. So, no. hey, I'm just thinking, when's the next movie review coming out from you? Ah, uh, it should be out soon. I've uh, yeah, I did watch uh, Shang Chi and Eight Bit Christmas. So I just gotta. Uh, get some time to sit down and, and uh, collect my thoughts and get them on paper, <laughs> or oh. digital paper. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to stop lounging, drinking. I know. Thanksgiving is over. I know. <laughs> I'm still comatose from the, uh, from, the, from the dinner. Yeah, all that dessert, all those pictures. Oh. My God, I'm oh. fat looking at them. <laughs> I know. And I have to go see my uh, doctor for a physical. Well, you better call in sick. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you call in sick to the doctor. Oh, I love that. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and that Beatle documentary is out, so you're going to have to do that one. Oh, really? It's on Disney, Disney Plus. Oh, okay. It's eight hours long. Eight hours? Yeah. So oh, I, no. I want you to review, review it carefully. Carefully? <laughs> is that so that you know if you want to watch it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and then I know. That's, that's a lot of time. For someone this age, I haven't got that much time left, so come on. I know. <laughs> you know <laughs> me either. Well, uh, you've got Eight hours. ten years on me. Uh, uh, okay, well, and now uh, this week we're going to be doing all writers, and today we are starting uh, with a, a very interesting writer. You know, I'm always perusing. I get things from agents. I get things from publishers. But this time it's one of my catches. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we'll welcome him, Mr. A.J. Park. Thank you for being here. Good to be here. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Hopefully you say that at the end of the interview. <laughs> you never know. Um, wow. So um, let's see. Uh, of course, I noticed uh, your newer book, which I guess is out in the U.K., and it's only out in uh, America, Canada, in, uh, let's see, Kindle and Audio, it looks like, and that's called Don't Speak. Um uh, but before we get into sort of the details of that, let's talk about uh, how you got into this writing uh, writing world and writing world for 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 money. Oh uh, yeah, so I I started to write when I was when I was a kid at school, and um, I, I had a dream of being published by the time I was eighteen. So I was sort of sixteen. I wrote my first novel. And uh, and then 18 came around and I failed. So 21 was the dream, and then that came around and I failed. And when 25 was the dream, I kept putting it back <laughs> three or four years at a time. I mean, I think it was about 30. You know. I think I still failed. It's, uh, I'm not. I can't remember. I don't remember the exact uh, years. And, uh, and and I wrote a, a drama uh, based on the first thing I wrote when I was 16. When, so I was in my 20s. I decided to rewrite this drama called Full of Sin. And tried to sell it, and tried to get an agent, and no one wanted it, and rejected universally. And uh, eventually, I managed to get it uh, published by a small independent press uh, in the north of England. And so that was my my first attempt at making very little money 
in, <laughs> in from my writing. Um, but but it, it was just about persevering from there. And I wrote um, two other books, uh, one of which did very well on Kindle, but that was published through my agent at the time. And um, it was, sorry, three, three other books. Rather. The third, third book then got me um, a connection as a publisher, and, and eventually that led to me writing my book as A.J. Park, uh, The First Lie, and that came out in 2019. So that was, I, I guess you could say, my first proper, um, my first sort of, you know, proper success with, with a mainstream publisher. But, but I'd been published, like I said, for a smaller press um, you know, many years before. And, uh, and, and each experience has sort of helped me develop as, as I've gone along and become, I hope, a better writer as, as a result. What was, the, what was uh, your perseverance? Like, what, what gave you that? Because it's really tough um, to be, especially as young as you were when you were doing this, uh, to be writing, putting your, your kind of your soul and ideas down on a, on a piece of paper and a manuscript, sending it out and people going, no, that's garbage or no thank you, yeah. or, you know, over and over again. So that's got to be really hard. So what is it that you think keeps you, kept you just keep pushing it, keep doing it until you got there? Well, sometimes I think it was just sheer bloody-mindedness and <laughs> that refusal to, <laughs> to keep hearing no. Eventually there's got to be a yes out there somewhere. Um, determination because I mean it was it, I, writing was the only thing I ever felt I was I was good at you know I could put a good sentence together from a young age of course that's that's not the only uh, element to writing a whole book <laughs> but, but but the desire very much and um, oh there are times you know when it was it was incredibly soul-destroying and um, but I came I came close several times and it was it was that that maybe really kept me going because I, I almost got a yes, and I almost got a yes, and two or three times. Um, first, when it was trying to get agents, I had um, quite one of the big agencies in London. At one point, I was, I was going back and forth with them, and I was very close, and then the guy left the company, and then he left the book business, and it was just, you know, it was always just little things like that happening. So I, they, they gave me hope at, in between all the sort of soul-destroying moments of being told. Uh, no, and and I think also to prove people wrong, I remember there was one agent. I won't name him, but he. Uh, <laughs> no, I won't. Come on, I shouldn't. <laughs> Come on, let me write this down. I'll contact him. There was one agent. I remember his words were, "This will never ever be published." He was appalled by what I'd written because it was so. Um, it was very dark and very shocking. It was my first book, actually, but um, I'd made it very dark and shocking because the first agent who almost took it on said to me, make it darker, make it more shocking. <laughs> so I made it darker, I made it more shocking, and then I ended up offending about half a dozen agents throughout London. <laughs> yeah. um, and in fact, I'll, I'll give you a clue, I won't tell you who he is, but he represents a writer whose one of his early books was recently, uh, well, past a decade, turned into a huge American television show that starred an actor who, um, let's say, destroyed his own career. <laughs> See if you can work that out. And, um, and he, he took very much offence to the, uh, the level of graphic detail that was in the book that made it more shocking. So after I was told to make it more shocking and then the agent left the industry and then I was told it's too shocking, I was sort of left in limbo, didn't really know what to do. There are those, those, those moments where you're sort of encouraged to keep going and, and they were few and far between, but they were certainly really helpful in, in trying to fulfill the ambition. The ambition was always to try to find a mainstream publisher that would take me on. 
Um, and with each book, I was you know, trying to reach the widest audience possible, with that first book being a very dark drama. I, I learned after a while that that probably wasn't the the wisest choice if you want a mainstream audience. <laughs> so yeah, that's why yeah, I, yeah. I branched into crime after that. So crime fiction was 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 not the choice of genre, although that's what I've done the most of. It was where I ended up because as, as I'd written that dark drama, I met an author, a wonderful author called Sophie Hanna. She's very, very popular in the UK. She writes the Agatha Christie Poirot books. They've done well in America. Um, and she she said to me after she read my first dark drama, she said to me, why don't you write crime itself? And that was sort of what got me into thinking, maybe I should listen to her and, and give it a go. And that's what I tried, and it's worked out since then. Yeah. You know, you could always find that agent and kill him and use that as a story. <laughs> this guy getting turned down, and he right. kills the agent, right? I mean, geez, well, you know? um, House of Cards, there you go, that's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> was the... Um, the draw to being published by mainstream because you can always publish nowadays uh, self-published. Yes. Or do you feel, uh, see, for me, I had to go to a publisher to get approved uh, the first few times because for, it spoke to me as in that proved that I could do it by yes. professionals, not just putting it out even if it sold a million copies um, and self-publishing. That still wouldn't be, uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It wouldn't be the the gateway it wouldn't be the you know the professionals going oh yeah you can write um so i had to prove it to myself but now i kind of go wherever yeah um so it's not as important is that the same for you totally I, when i started in i think when i really started seriously um in 2000 and whatever it was 2000 and four or something like that when i really tried to write the first one and, and get it published uh, or get agented anyway um, that there wasn't a self-publishing option then. There, there was Vanity Press, but it required you to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> subsequently, of course, self-publishing became you know, a very realizable thing, thanks predominantly to Amazon. So uh, it was very much um, it was the initial ambition, and then it was about it was probably more about proving it to myself than any, anything else. Uh, if I because I know how hard it is. I mean, it's it's you know it's such a horrifically difficult place to end up with a mainstream publisher. It's, it's so hard to get an agent full stop, you know, before, before you even get close to a publisher. So first of all, it's by getting an agent, years of hard work there, and, and you know, the, 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 just the personal reward that, that gave from someone inside the industry saying, yes, you know, you should be looked at. And then after that, the publisher. So, I mean, now, now, now I... I I suppose I could entertain self-publishing now, but I, I have actually tried this, and I, I discovered I'm appalling at it. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I would rather have achieved the mainstream publisher perhaps earlier on, like, like with you saying, it then would have given me um, reassurance maybe that I was looking for, and then I could have relaxed myself and sort of flexed my wings in other directions. Um, but uh, yeah. it, it, it took all those years, so I didn't have that opportunity <laughs> Yeah. No, I think I think it's important. I think it's some because then you also know what it's what what to go through as far as uh, editing and oh and yeah yeah it's a great it learning curve. Yeah, brilliant learning curve. Yeah, and I I've met a lot of I've networked with a lot of people and met a lot of people through doing that. And uh, now when I do self publish, I use a lot of people that 
are used by the publishers. So, sure, yes. you know, it can be done. It can be done. It's just you kind of got to know know the craft. I, I, I feel sorry because there's a lot of people out there that are self-publishing that um, don't put that kind of time into it. They just kind of write it and push push play. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and it's too bad because some of them can be really good, but they're just presented badly, you know. Oh, totally, yes. You know. Um, it, it's really interesting. Now, when you when you put together a story, like, for instance, on your Don't Speak, mm. uh, this is um, suspense. So you've got Sophie Hanna. Um, so what is, well, let's just start with who is the main character to you? In Don't Speak, the main character is, yeah. is a detective. So I... I um, the, the premise of A.J. Park books is supposed to be, according to, to the sort of publicity angle of the publisher, it's supposed to be, what would you do if you were in the main character's situation? So this book is very much a, what would you do if you suspected your husband might be a, a killer, a serial killer? So the, the, the detective is Amelie Davis, a detective sergeant, and she's investigating a series of, of murders. Young teenage girls are being killed. That brings back a trauma from her past because when, when she was the same age and, and she looked similar, they're all blonde girls, um, when she was the same age as them and she looked similar to them, she, she, um, she was abused um, by her father. So just seeing the, the suffering takes her back to her past and she finds that quite difficult to deal with. Um, various, things, various things transpire as she's investigating and... Um, and she receives one night, in the middle of the night, a, a phone call, a distorted voice saying, do you think you know your husband? And, um, and she gets a sequence of numbers from this voice and little other information. So she starts to look more closely at her husband and various things happen that make her suspect that maybe her husband is the man she's looking for. But because he's the only man she's ever trusted and she, you know, her whole life has been put into this man's um, hands after she, she rejected men forever because of her father. Um, she just doesn't really know what to do, and she's, she's got two choices. She has to turn either turn him in or help him hide. Um, what, what would you do if you're in that situation? That, that's, that's the question behind it. And, of course, because it's, you know, it's a thriller, she makes some pretty bad choices that <laughs> leads to various problems that she's got to find a way out of. Well, I would. It would depend on how good he was in bed. That's how I would decide. <laughs> but you know, that's... he must be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just uh, so when I when I listen to these stories. So up to now in my life, um, my my books have all been um, based on true stories, true crimes, or um, true events. Not necessarily crime, but always always real nonfiction. Yeah. Um, I look at something like this, and I hear the story you just kind of give me. How do you set yourself in that place of um, your detective sergeant Davis? Like, how can you um, put yourself as Davis and develop that sort of character in the sense of she remembers her father and the abuse and mm. all of this stuff? How how is that? Because I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out um, from a uh, um, you know, my writing point of view is how do you figure out what she feels when she's going through these situations? Like, how how can that be relatable to you? 
It's tough, isn't it? I, I think it very much took me back to the first book I wrote, um, which was called Full of Sin. So, so it's probably the closest I've ever come to going back in that direction where where trauma is really at the heart of a character. And I just thought I've always found that interesting as a reader, um, just exploring the mind of someone who's been through something horrific that they don't want to talk about. But, of course, if you have a first-person narration, as I do in this one, you can explore things that are in the character's head. Um, you know, if, if I wrote it in third person, I wouldn't be able to do that so effectively. So I think it's important that it's first person. Um, I think it's, it's important that, that there are triggers in it. You know, I had to figure out what the triggers were. So the physical resemblance was important, but there are other things that, that happen as, as the story progresses that link to her past. Um, I also, I, I think to help, to help the character be more relatable i also use um i have some changing narratives in the story so i have some some flashback sequences that are those moments from her past um and, and i have some other sequences too which which feed into you know who it might or might not be so i think trying to find different narrative ways into the character's head um that's that's a starting point. I mean, really, what what, what I think is really vital with, with crime fiction that is you know that is not based on something real, uh, suspension of disbelief. I mean, you've got to ask your reader to 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 leave <laughs> to leave a sense of reality at the door when they pick up one of these books because they're not real, and and they of course wouldn't happen in real life. They they do take things to the extreme. I mean, aliens don't suddenly land or something, but, but you know, the characters make choices that are not believable. And, and, and I, I would hope that readers would, would just go along for the journey, um, you know, hear the voice, try and experience the emotions that are presented, and, and most importantly, have a suspenseful, exciting time. And if you're, if you're constantly, if, you, if, if you're constantly thinking as a, as a reader, and I suppose as a writer too when you're writing it, Oh, will they think this is too unrealistic? Will, will this be too much of a problem for them to, to grasp? Well, it's, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a journey. Um, if, if I were to base it on elements of, 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 of real crime that's happened in the past, then I'd approach it differently. But, but certainly with the AJ Park books, with both of them, uh, they, they've, they've taken suspension of disbelief uh, at front and centre, I would say. And I'd encourage... I'd encourage uh, all readers to, you know, to, to remember, remember that as they pick them up. Well, I've seen uh, that you uh, have been um, trained as an actor, and I was wondering if that helps you to create or build your characters, and I was just wondering also if you um, sometimes act out your scenes as, as, you're, as you're going through to kind of get through that narrative. You definitely try and hear the voice, yes. I mean, uh, funny enough, I, I, I've only just received the audio book, so I was listening to the audio book earlier on today. Um, and, and, and I noticed very much, it's, it's in the dialogue, you really try and uh, hear, hear the character through the words. And I was really pleased with how, how, it, how the dialogue has come out and the performance of the, the actors who do the, the audio book. So, yeah, I think... Thinking, thinking in terms of performance, thinking in terms of, of, of film, TV, the stuff that you watch, and certainly the, the training I, I had when I was it's a long time ago now, but the training I had. Um, if you can hear a voice in your head as you write, I think that definitely helps you create more of a realistic voice. And, and I suppose, well, yeah, it's, it's about suspension of disbelief. The voice is real. 
the voice the voices need to be as real as possible. Dialogue can be inc- can be incredibly stilted and sort of wooden and and, and just artificial. Um, and and with this one, I, I feel I feel like I've 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 got got clearer characterization through the dialogue. So that's that's very very helpful indeed. So so if I get this right, you dress up like. Your Doctor Date or your your <laughs> Detective Sergeant Davis, and you hear voices. <laughs> I, okay. I, I yeah, I, I you know maybe that's something to do with the next one. I I, I like using um, I like using music. I like creating um, an atmosphere with music in the background. So I tend to write to a song. In fact, I tend to write to the same song. So this, this would drive someone mad. Probably I could listen to the same song three thousand times. <laughs> Um, but once I've got a song that gets gets my my thoughts in a certain direction, um, if I'm writing a, an exciting sequence, for example, it might be different from if I'm writing you know, the trauma moments or or, or the, you know, the more horrific moments. But but typically, I I I, I try and get into the character's head through songs. So. Um, I've used in, in the past, you know, a character that the song My Way really made me think of. So I played My Way nonstop as I was writing all the bits with that character. Um, I, I, I used Poison by Alice Cooper once for, for, a, for, for an entire novel, actually. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it really works. I just, I just find, you know, it helps you find not only the voice, but just the overall aura, this feeling that you're trying to associate with the character very effectively. Yeah, I used like a virgin, but that didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So this is um, this is fascinating. But when you actually put this on paper and then you send it and you get it published, I'd imagine there's a certain amount of you that's going into your character, your main characters anyway. I and when you do that, do you sort of? feel vulnerable by putting it out to the world to see, especially nowadays when anybody can kind of uh, give you feedback in mm. both positive and negative ways? Well, I, I tend to say to people, <laughs> this is our secret, of course, I tend to say to people, there's nothing of me in this at all. <laughs> oh. and, I mean, with this this is like a first-person uh, female character. So, I mean, they're... they're I mean, I enjoy I enjoy a whiskey, <laughs> and I think she does too. <laughs> I do tend to use my drink of choice, um, but, <laughs> but with this one, actually, I mean, I did disconnect myself quite a lot. I think there are elements of myself in in Paul Reeve, who's the main character in the first lie. Um, there, there, there's quite an autobiographical element to to one of the early ones I wrote, it's called Sins of the Father. Um, there are characters, there are personality traits, you know, in, in, in a book I wrote called The Missing. Um, I, a lot of reviews comment on how irritating <laughs> the main character is. Perhaps that's who I am. <laughs> but I, think, I, I do think, I think, there, you know, your neuroses kind of come out a little bit sometimes. The, the things that are just relevant to you at that time of your life when you're writing come through. Um, and the do's and don'ts, actually, you know, I, I seem to, to, to pay, I seem to notice more recently after having children, um, there are certain things I just feel like I can't write anymore. So, so that the, 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 the more graphic violence that I had in some of the earlier stuff, I, I just find a bit too disturbing now to, to put down. So, um, and it, and it, it's all coincided with children. And I, I do feel that the, the sensitivities in your real life, 
direct you in, in, in what you feel like you can or you can't put down. I, I do delete things. I mean, I, I, I certainly do have things in me that end up on the page. And I'm, then when I become aware that there's maybe a bit too much of that, and I do take it out because I, yes, you, you, you're, you're completely exposing yourself to, to readers instantly anywhere. And, um, and, you know, there are certain things I think I just, I just don't want to put down. So, so if I, if I find they do, that too much of me comes out, I, I, I take it away. I'm a bit brutal in my editing. I, I, I find um, you know, large sections go and, and the entire things change uh, as, as, as the editing process kicks in. Yeah. I think that comes with age, right? That's what happens when, when we get older. We, oh, uh, yeah. You know, the wild things that you would do when you were a teenager, you feel differently about when you have a teenager. Yes, yes. You know, I think yes. that's, that's natural. But you could always just hide them, <laughs> not tell them, <laughs> not tell them that you've written these books, you know. You, they don't need to know. Well, we had, um, we had, I had the book launch for Don't Speak um, on Thursday last week, and, uh, and it was good. It was a good, good crowd, good turnout, and my, my children came along. <laughs> and a big poster up. And in fact, I did, I did the event with Sophie Hannah. She came and did did um, sort of chat on stage with me. We were interviewed. And it was great. And then book signing off was, and my son turned up and he, I really heard him shout. He saw my picture on the post and daddy's famous. <laughs> came in, proudly telling everyone. I remember the next day at school, he was, uh, he was telling his head teacher, his principal, um, my daddy's famous, you know? And, uh, and of course, <laughs> I don't have to do homework. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I, I can't hide the fact from them anymore. They've seen the books too much. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. You know, you know, you're, you've got it all. You know, you're it's like something that. to be proud. I think yeah, getting a book published is a, such a lovely thing. And, and you know, those of us who have tried know just how hard it is. So I think I, I like. I don't. I, you know, I talk about it. I like to celebrate the fact. I think it's nice they know. Um, you know how many there'll be. Who knows. But, but certainly while they're there, I think let's embrace them and have fun with it because it's something you could spend forever trying to do and not achieving. And it's, it's something I, like I said, I, I spent 15 years trying to do before I actually uh, fulfilled that ambition. So, so, yeah, I'm proud of it. Yeah, well, yeah, you should be. I mean, everybody that does what they do. And, and, oh, yeah. and um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. It's an accomplishment that... Uh, you know, not everyone can. It's usually just the people that give you a bad review that are the ones that can't. Yes. <laughs> um, that's how I look at it, right? <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, it's kind of strange. Um, does, that, does that sort of affect how you're going to put a book out, uh, like the outcome, the interaction, the noise, as we say, on the outside? So when you... Uh, do a book, you know, people that review or people that say things about you and it could be good or bad and all that. Uh, do you take that into, you know, is that real close to you? Do you hold on to it and does <sighs> it bother you? Or do you start, you know, because things sometimes will affect me. You know, I can go along for a long time, but all of a sudden one little thing can be said about one particular book or something, and I am just in the ditch and and I cannot uh, get around it um, until I work that out so I was just wondering does that affect kind of what you're going to put out 
It did. It, I found I found it so hard initially. I mean, I've written six books now, and I think even maybe with the first lie, there were still a few moments when it was a little bit. It, it caught a nerve a little bit. But I think the last two, particularly, I, I've, I've I've been better. I, I've just lear- learned to compartmentalize and and to sort of hide. Well, not hideaway, no, just just to shut off what people say. I think it's, you know, it's reading is subjective, isn't it? You you could find one person who loves what you've done and another person who hates it. And if you look at the greatest writers alive, I think Ian McEwan is a master. Um, his average reviews are, is three star because he's got, you know, thousands of five stars, but thousands of one star. So... Um, I don't let it bother me anymore, although it used to, you know, grate on me and hurt my feelings and stuff like that. I remember, now I can kind of laugh at it. Someone once wrote in a review that I write like a 12-year-old from Kazakhstan. I always, I find that amusing now. <laughs> Especially when I think of Borat. But, if, um, but, but, but do, does, it, does it affect what I write? Um, in one way, in, in, in the way that the, the sort of common theme that occurred in, in the reviews of, of my biggest selling book, which is called The Missing, is that the main character was annoying, as, as I mentioned earlier. So I consciously tried not to make my main character annoying. And uh, and then two books later, annoying kept coming up again. <laughs> and then with the first lie, um, the word annoying came up a few times as well. So, so I think with this one, I was really, really careful because like if, if I get another review that says the characters annoying, <laughs> just call them anything but bloody annoying. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, and I haven't had the word annoying yet, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, you know, I, I, I also remember seeing reviews saying, "Oh, char- my characters are unlikable, unsympathetic," and and I don't really think that's important from a personal reader's perspective. You know, as, as a reader myself, but but. But obviously, a lot of people have said it in, in, the, uh, in reviews in the past. So I, I've been a bit more conscious about trying to make characters less unlikable, not necessarily more likable, but less unlikable. Um, yeah, but isn't that isn't that sort of who the character is? Like, if they're annoying, they're annoying. That's you what know? I thought. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if anything, that's that's proving that you can write because you're making them <laughs> annoying. And you're doing that knowing that they're annoying. They're kind of an irritating yeah. person. And you write that into the book. Isn't that sort of a positive? It is now. Thank you for pointing that out. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Has a character done anything to surprise you? Have they kind of you know, just <laughs> gone off the rails and uh, no. decided to do something that didn't go along with uh, the plot? Yeah, well, twice. Um <laughs> But but not neither of which I would say is is the character. It's more my fault. But but um, I, I I got into a habit when <laughs> when writing uh, the first lie, just of having a couple of drinks, you know, just to get the creative <laughs> energy flying. And because um, I wrote the bulk of it in a four week period, so I, I had, was, was working fast. I was, you know, a couple of Jack Daniels an evening as I as I write, and uh, I think one evening I it went slightly beyond a couple. <laughs> and then the, the next day, when I uh, when I came to reread what I'd written the, the night before, um, a character had certainly done <laughs> something that they weren't supposed to do. <laughs> so I had a I had this a female character that the main character is called Alice Reeve, and 
and she she sort of went into a psychotic episode or something, and I suddenly had her quoting Hamlet. <laughs> no I didn't even know I knew quotes from Hamlet, but anyway, they suddenly appeared. So the William Shakespeare in me came out after after <laughs> three or four. <laughs> that was one in 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 uh, Don't Speak. Um, Again, it's, it's through, through. It's not not a creative thing. It's just through stupidity on my part. But um, somehow, I, I killed the same character twice. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the character going in a different direction, <laughs> dying twice. <laughs> it was all a dream. I mean, yeah, no, it was. It was just insane. I don't know how I did it, but I, I drafted it, and because I was writing it very much in, in small chunks, I wasn't. Um, I just was was very busy doing other things, so I was writing it. I wasn't writing it in, in, in you know, a, a structured way. I wasn't working on it every single day. And at some point, I ended up uh, killing this, this girl twice. And then when I came to do the, the edit, the first edit of many, um, I was halfway through and I thought, I, I'm sure I've read this already. <laughs> and, uh, and discovered that, that I'd, I'd accidentally killed her twice, which meant I then had to change, because I'd, I'd got the plot around this additional death, I then had to change quite a lot of things because... I had to figure out how to bring in another murder victim um, and, and build a backstory for that character. So originally there were only going to be five murder victims, but there are now six because of it. So, yeah, it went in a different direction because because I made that stupid mistake. I then had to create a new subplot and bring in uh, another victim and family and, and backstory there. So it's, it did go in a slightly different direction with that. In the original um, draft, the fi final draft that I gave in to the editor originally, um, I had a completely different villain, in fact. The, the sort of solution to who, who the killer is was different from what it ended up being. So that was interesting. That was not a, a choice of mine, but I think it was an idea the editor had that, that made it better. It took it, in, in, it took it maybe in a more traditional direction towards the ending, but I think it needs it. It's got, it's, it's got an exciting ending, and it, it really all comes together nicely. Um, and that was that, that 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 solution was not the plan at all. Um, and in fact, the character who who originally was the killer is not even in the book anymore. So so you know, the book took took a completely new direction, a new shape after after the first proper edit from from my editor at Orion. That woman must have been a real slag if you killed her twice. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. No comment. Uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm awful. Um, now, do you ever, so you write the story, it's a crime story, basically, and it's a thriller, and you've got all this stuff going on, but is there a subtext underneath the story? Do you, all, do you ever have, like, a, uh, a theme or something that, that kind of, mm. that you hope people get? Well, yes, with Don't Speak, it's actually very much the dangers of social media. I consciously brought in a social media angle. Um, you know, see, seeing the impact that social media has on young people now, teenagers especially, and the amount of time they spend on it. I mean, it's a really dangerous thing, as well as being obviously a very positive thing in many ways. So, um, so I, I utilize that, you know, the, 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 without going into it, there, there, there's, there's an angle that connects to social media that's very important. Um, and and I, it just felt like the right time to do that. You know, I I I, I work with teenagers in the daytime, and I see, um, I, I see how how much a part of their lives, you know, their phones are and their 
their social media lives, as it were, you know, how, how that takes over at times. And um, I, think we need, I think they need to be careful. You know, we all need to be careful about, about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's kind of in a way it's creating a whole second world that they live in, totally. you know. And uh, the problem with uh, the young ones are they, they don't have the experience to get themselves out of it or protect That's themselves. That's the big, big thing, you know. They can move around on those phones and, and computers really quickly and, and get it, but at, at the same time they don't have a lot of the uh, skills to work work their way out of it, you know. Yeah, it's, it's great. Now, who are your favorite writers? Or do you have a favorite writer? Maybe you you don't like reading. No, I do. I think I think you know reading is so important. And and again, with, with the young people I, I work. I mean, the day in the daytime, I, I teach. I I, um, I teach English, and um, I mean, reading makes the writer, in my opinion, it's, it's central to everything. Um, my favorite or my favorite author uh, of all time is Ian McEwan, um, who wrote The Cement Garden. And Amsterdam. I mean, these these are you know real literary heavyweight books. So they're they're very different from the sort of thing I'm I'm putting out now, the commercial end uh, of fiction. But but I just find um, personally, I love I love books that are full of beautiful language and and that that that, 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 that sort of create characters in worlds that are immersive like McEwan's are but I, but I love a good thriller as well and Sophie Hannah funnily enough even though you know she's a mentor of me she's one of my favorite writers and the first crime novel I remember reading is Little Face by her um and it's it's what what I use as the model for the missing I, I use some of her elements of storytelling and flip them around and created a, a book that ended up doing well for me um so I like Sophie Hannah's books American author, I love Harlan Coburn. I think he's a, he's a cracking page turner. He, he has the fantastic hook at the beginning. He knows how to grab you literally in the first sentence. No Second Chance is, is one of my favorite books. Um, the first line, when the second bullet hit my chest, I thought of my daughter. He just gets so many questions in the mind. It's a fantastic hook. And, and he has, you know, the most sublime, um, chapter cliffhangers that make you want to skip on two chapters to figure out you know where, where he's going with it and and just brilliant twists and so love Harlan Coben as well. I enjoy reading older stuff though, so I really like Wilkie Collins. If I go back to the eighteen sixties, um, I enjoy I enjoy the Shakespeare that I teach. You know, I love Macbeth and um, a whole range of stuff. So I don't, I don't think I pigeonhole my reading at all. I'm quite broad and open minded, um, but at the moment I'm very much into trying. Um, sort of thrillers, but from 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 the seventies, the eighties, the that sort of time period. So I've been reading um, a bit of Lynn Dayton. I'm, that's from even earlier, isn't it? It's from the sixties. I'm reading the Crest file. Uh, I've been reading some Sidney Sheldon, just some of the masters who who I think we can learn from. I still love Agatha Christie. I mean, these people who who just were natural storytellers. And I, I use each experience of reading as a chance to try to learn and, and better myself as a writer. Um, because if, if, if you can't learn from them, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure where else there is to learn from. They're, they're the best at what they did. And what about my books? <laughs> Absolutely. You were, didn't, you, didn't you hear me say your name first? I'm sure. No, yeah. I was just waiting for that. Yeah. You know, my God. Love Ian McKeown. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ian who? He's got such a, how do you spell that surname anyway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, you mentioned uh, uh, teaching English. Do you feel that's made you um, a better writer, or does it get in the way when, of your writing popular genre fiction? Um, yes, yeah. You, it, hmm. it certainly gets in the way. I think what, what I've learned over the past couple of books with, with Orion is toning down, simplifying. You want your books to be as accessible to as many people as possible as they can be. So you, you mustn't overcomplicate. I mean, crime, crime novels can have complica complicated and convoluted plots. That, that's inevitable. But I think in how you tell the story, the language you choose, um, there are times when I've had to dial it back a little bit. When I read my early stuff versus my more recent stuff, not that I do that often, by the way, but, yeah. <laughs> if I, I, I re-edited The Missing a couple of years ago um, when it was republished. And, and I noticed quite considerably how my language use is, is, is different. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's different, but it's no better or worse. I think it's, it's suitable for what it is. Um, I, I want to write, I want to write books that everyone can get into. And, and I think the, the newspapers, like in, in the UK, that are still successful, not that there are many, but the newspapers, that are successful know how to tell their stories in ways that everyone can access. Um, and I think that's, that's certainly the guidance I've had through the editorial sections of my work with Orion on, on the first line and don't speak. Um, they've not encouraged me to simplify plot at all. And in fact, with crime, quite the opposite, I think. But um, sometimes in, in the narrative voice, you, you need to think, you, you need to maybe think a little more to do a little less, and I think that's quite an interesting idea. Yeah, you got to dumb it down for people like me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, now, let's see here. Um, so how do you like people to get a hold of you? Are you a big social media animal, or do you have a website, or where do you think people should go if they want to find out more about who you are and, and the books you write? Um, well, I'm on I'm on Twitter, AJ Park author. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm I'm on TikTok now. It's very exciting. The kids I work with love that. <laughs> Just do some silly videos to try, you know, yeah, things that are supposed to be amusing. I hope. Um, I I, I decide. I, this is dreadful. People will hate me for doing this, but but because I'm so business minded, I decided to let the website go. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to spend time writing, and, and I know that from a, from a commercial perspective, that's probably a disastrous idea. Um, so the, the website might come back, and it's still at, it's still on there, even though I don't, I don't control it anymore. But it's still online. So so Twitter, Facebook, those things, I'm 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 on there and um, easily accessible. Yeah. And, and and I do I do yeah I do communicate. If people post a nice review online, I always respond. Um, if people ask a question, if people send me messages, I always respond. And, and you know, try and try and if people ask for advice, try and answer and help. If people, um, you know, ask for a signed book for a charity event or something, try and do that. And um, and people, you know, people are, I think, always always keen to engage. If they see you willing to respond, there, I think they like it. I think it encourages reader-author relationship. That's that's probably more important today than than it ever has been. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and, and we encourage all of our listeners to uh, review his newest book uh, about how annoying the characters are. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love that word here. Um, uh, so 
during, you must have been writing this one during a lot of the pandemic and that. Did it sort of blend into your, your writing and did just, just when, because if you're a teacher, right, and you guys were all wearing masks and doing online and, and all the stress that was going on and um, outside of your door even, let's say, um, do you think that, that affects your writing? Um, it certainly created an anxiety, didn't it? I mean, the, the media created so much fear. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. You know? but, but no, because funny enough, um, I wasn't really writing this one during the pandemic. I, I wrote it before. Um, I was editing it during the pandemic, but because of the pandemic, everything got delayed. So the first lie got delayed, uh, and then it got released during the pandemic. And, and this one was actually due out some time ago, I forget when now, um, but because of the delays to the first live, and this one got delayed, so I I finished the first ha the first submission of, of Don't Speak two years ago. Um, partly why I can't rem I can't remember the story very well, <laughs> and um, I gave it in two years ago, and then spent the sort of sort of seven or eight months after that re sort of editing it, um, and uh, and and it's 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 sort of been waiting. You know, waiting for the the time to come. Uh, the date, the November date, was set quite a long time ago. But they they like a, a sort of a year between between books. Um, so so it's it's had to wait for wait for its time, and it has come out at a good time. I mean now now you know when when the first lie came out, no bookshops were open. Um, and I know well that's a smaller percentage of the sales, but it still is a, a percentage of the sale. Um, now, now, don't speak has come out. All the bookshops are open, and all the online you know, options are there as well. And 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 they had time to do the audio properly, um, you know, without too many you know, measures being in place to to restrict things. So um, it's 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 come out at the right time. But but when I was editing it, I was obviously very much in the thick of the pandemic and. Um, it, it didn't impact the writing because the story was already there, but it certainly, it certainly could have done if, if I were writing it at that time. I, I could see how people might have struggled. I, di I didn't really start working on anything new um, during the pandemic because, cause, yeah, it just felt a bit. It felt, it felt odd. It just felt like the wrong time to be doing well anything really. I mean, it, you know, we were sort of yeah. made to feel like we should be at home and living in a cocoon and hiding yeah. around and. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're beyond that now, which is good, but, but certainly, you know, at the time it was very awkward. So I didn't feel like writing. I just I don't know if I could even um, have written anything beyond. I wrote a few pages. I didn't do much at all. Are, are you that type of person that can sit down and kind of go, okay, well, I've got two hours now, so I'll write. Um, can you just turn it on, or do yes. you have to be in a mood? No, well, I do need a mood, but, but certainly with first drafts, I'm very much of a mind that I just want to get it down. I don't care how rubbish it is, just get it down, and then I can work on it. If I've got nothing there, there's nothing to work on. So I do switch on. I have to because I've got the day job, so that, that has an impact on the evening. I also write, um, I write articles for, for a number of magazines. I do car magazines and, and various technology magazines and stuff, and those are very short deadlines, so they have to take priority. The book's obviously you know, working a year ahead or something, so... Um, I have to be able to switch on a, a short notice, otherwise I'll never get it done. Um, I, te I tend to try to schedule things so that I have you know, holiday time, and when I've got holiday time, then I, I've just got to do as much of it as I can. 
But I can go upstairs to the computer at 11 o'clock at night and and knock out an hour or two if I have to. Um, I don't feel like I won't produce my best, not at all, because I've not got the right mind. But, like I said, if I've got something on the page, I really like it. I'm I'm more of an editor than than I think a first drafter. I'm definitely a second drafter when when I go over things and make things better. That's sort of when I feel like I'm... I'm coming into my own when I'm shaping things when I'm when I'm when I'm succeeding with where I want to go. Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty amazing um, it, it, that people can do that um, because I know if if I'm not in, a, in the right mind, I can't mm. write. You know, absolutely. And, and and whereas like Dave over there, he he has to be drinking his whiskey in order to write. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Write drunk, edit sober. Yeah. That's right. So you said Hemingway, yeah. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> wise man here. <laughs> wise. Yeah, wise man. <laughs> well, it's certainly been a pleasure. Um, I've enjoyed having you here. Um, so now, um, of course, the new book that we're speaking about is Don't Speak. But, um, <laughs> again, uh, on this side of the, of the world, we're looking at just the um, – Kindle and audio out, and on the UK side of the world, the, you've got it all, you know? Get you've it got all. it all, absolutely, and I, I believe as, as, as I, I believe the paperback will reach America by the summertime, um, but, but the, the e-book format should be uh, Barnes & Noble, the Nook is out as well, and, and yeah, the, the audio. In, in the meantime, the first lie is out completely in America, um, and um, they're, they're separate stories, so they can be read independently, but they do have some small connections just to keep people who have read them both interested. You know, they are yeah, in the same world, but they don't have all the same characters in them. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. I mean, you want people. Um, what book would you tell people to pick up of yours then? If, if, if they could only afford one book and you, you wanted them to get one book, which one would you tell them to get? Yeah, I think I think this latest one is I say don't speak. I think I think so far the reviews have all been very good, um, and 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 I, f- I feel really satisfied with how it's turned out. It, it was a long time coming, as it was, it was you know two years from handing in to where we are now. Um, the book changed a lot. It, it ended up going in you know multiple directions as I was producing it. So I think that one it's, it's it, it feels like I, I sort of. Um, I feel like I've matured uh, even from, from one book to the other as a writer. And, um, and the different narrative perspectives that the book offers, I think, are interesting. And, uh, and I think the build to the, the reveal at the end, the, sort of the, the slow, slow pace that then builds into a faster pace and you know, the utter excitement at the end, I hope people will enjoy. So, so I'd say don't speak. I think it's, uh, it's definitely one to shout about. Yeah, and your characters are less annoying then, right? And exactly, yes. No, 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 no annoying characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's a good start. Well, we'll have that all linked up, of course, on our website, and uh, so people can find it if they can't uh, remember. Um, our guest today, AJ Park, thanks for being here. Great speaking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, AJ. Yes. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. 
Something Weird Media. I'll be back.